Welcome, guys, to uh, episode 13 with, with my friend and uh, entrepreneur Chandler Malone. Um, Chandler is a three-time entrepreneur who is now building the IDA project and investing in early-stage companies through Atento Capital. His journey began as a college student building an events business that hosted shows for Billboard Top 10 artists, including the Chainsmokers, before launching his first software company, The Moves, which he exited in 2019. Chandler has a passion for helping underrepresented entrepreneurs and using techno technology to improve quality of life. Chandler serves as an investor in residence at Washington University in St. Louis and a board member at Urban Coders Guild. And uh, yeah, Chandler and I met in school and uh, in undergraduate and quickly developed a, a strong friendship. And to this day, we still keep in touch. And every time I, uh, every time I catch up on the phone with Chandler, I leave feeling inspired. His optimism is infectious and he thinks deeply about, about many important topics in tech, business, culture, and the world as a whole. So welcome Chandler. Thanks for joining us today. It's so great to finally meet you. Um, I know we've tried to meet up a couple times as we're swinging through your state and it's just never worked out. So I'm glad to be able to meet you digitally. Hopefully we can actually meet in person sometime. <laughs> I feel like once the pandemic is like finally over and everyone's vaccinated, it'll happen sooner rather than yeah. later. But thanks, yeah, thank you. And great to meet you as well. Do you want to? Oh, pop pop yeah, yeah. So I do these like um, silly pop questions, just fire, rapid fire answer. Um, so what is your favorite hardware, software, or app that's not a super common one, like not your iPhone, something um, that you like that maybe our audience doesn't know about? Yeah. Um, let me think. Um, I use my WordPress app on my phone uh, a lot. Um, and I used to use WordPress um, just to kind of like collect like articles from news sites that I like um, and just like have them aggregated in one place. Um, but I feel like I've just found myself like more mobile and kind of going places. And instead of just like scrolling on Instagram all the time, like I'll still like to go through it. Um, and so like the app on the phone um, has been pretty solid. Um, it's been nice for me, so. So it's just an app that has a lot of articles and things? Yeah, so like with WordPress, you can basically like create like your own internal blog rather than just an external one. Um, and basically like connect like RSS feeds from websites and they'll like push their articles like to your WordPress feed. And so um, it's my easy way of kind of keeping up with all the like articles and things that I want to read um, in one place rather than having to go to like each site, you know. Overnight. Yeah, that's really nice. That's um, I find that I have that problem like where I should save all my stuff that I want to read later. Yeah. Um, what is an artist you've been listening to a lot lately? Yeah, um, let me see. Uh, I feel like there's, there's a lot, but maybe we can find a, a pertinent one. Um, I always do the same thing. Was, I always have to look at my phone. <laughs> yeah, so I would say albums that I've been playing the most um, over the past, I guess, um, last month or so um, has been Lil Durk's uh, album, uh, Babyface Ray's album, um, Pimp C's greatest hits, um, and then Drake's uh, Scary Hours, like a uh, thing of like three uh, songs. Nice. Yeah. What is something um, you do to take care of your health? Um, definitely exercise um, every day. And like if I can't do it every day, it's five days a week. Um, 
typically we'll get up, like go to the gym, like around five or so and go play basketball for like an hour. Um, and then just do like a little like light lift after like not trying to get like super big and strong or anything, but just like stay in shape, you know? Um, and also trying to drink a lot of water and like being really intentional about my sleep. Um, like I feel like I go to sleep most nights if it's not like a weekend or like a special occasion, like I'm in bed by nine, like at the absolute latest. So mm-hmm. that used to be us. We're kind of out of the swing of things. I stayed up till midnight last night and that's like crazy for me. <laughs> um, what is your favorite brand or store to shop for clothes? Yeah. Um, I feel like I've always worn a lot of Nike stuff just because like as a kid, like growing up playing basketball, like a lot of my favorite players wore Nike. And so I just kind of did. Um, I'll say now though, um, I'm definitely trying to like lean more into the, like if there are things that I'm working on or people that are close to me um, that are working on, uh, just trying to like support them um, more so than just like having like a few like bigger places, you know, so. What's the shirt? Is that the shirt you're wearing right now? Is that like a friend's brand or something? Um, no, it is not. I actually had a friend's brand sweatshirt that I wish had come in uh, before <laughs> this, but it hasn't. Um, but um, this is just like a small vehicle that I've been doing um, like a few angel investments out of. Um, and so like starting to try to brand it so that we can get a little bit more external exposure, which will then make more people reach out. And then like the quality of like deals that yeah. we see will be a little bit better. So I like yeah. the name. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. appreciate it um the next question you're married right yes yep i'm not gonna ask it since you're married um it was celebrity crush but maybe um what's a quality of your wife that um you know really made you fall in love with her um not to put you on the spot that was a good, <laughs> she that was a good yeah yeah um i think um just seeing like her determination and resilience um this has just been like incredibly inspiring um definitely like motivating me to like be like best that i can you know be um but also just like respecting and like admiring like her like so much you know for it um and that's definitely not the only thing but i yeah, know those I'm are sure things for me that i was just like <laughs> yeah that's awesome i love that that's sweet um what book or course has been the most influential in your life um i took a course my sophomore year of undergrad um called uh, the anxieties of digital technology and modern media and i wrote uh two research papers for that um they were like 20 page like pretty extensive research papers on like the societal effects that like these products had and so one was on square and one was on snapchat um, so I basically had no really like exposure to just like technology or like interest in it prior to that. Um, I even like took the major that I did cause I wanted to go to law school, but that class was really what got me interested just like in the space at all in the first place. Um, and then I think once I kind of like started going down the entrepreneurship path, um, I read a book, which like, I feel like is like a very kind of like cliche, like. Silicon Valley-ish book, um, but it was really good. It was called The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, by Ben Horowitz. And basically just like his path and like all of like the things that went wrong, but the end story of like him, you know, starting his companies, um, you know, and, and having some of the success that he's had. And I think seeing all of the difficulties that, you know, he went through 
um, which seemed like some of like the biggest problems like in the world, at least for him at the time, and problems that I definitely had not had like the magnitude of ever. Um, it was like a good primer that was like, if I really want to do this and try to like build like a large company, like at scale, like I've got to be prepared to like be able to face these things that happen. Because if one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world had to, had to you know, face some of those things, then um, I, I'm foolish to think that I won't have to as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that um, that is something that in theory, we all know that whether you're like people are, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, it's like, oh yeah, there's hardships, you know, but the, I don't know. I think the reality of dealing with it is um, kind of a different beast, you know, that yeah. I, I, I honestly personally haven't had to deal with too bad, but um, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you said, it's, well, you said that the, the book is kind of like a cliche Silicon Valley thing, but that's kind of like a cliche, like entrepreneur phenomenon, you know? Um, but yeah, I think once, like shit hits the fan, it's, it's different, you know, it, it gives you a different understanding, I would imagine. Yeah, I think that would be a good book. For, I think we villainize people a lot that are successful. Um, as you know, like Bill Gates probably has most trolls and haters <laughs> on yeah. social media. And so I think that's an interesting take is like realizing, you know, I'm grateful for my smaller problems. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And I think to your point about like us, like villainizing um, people who are really successful. Um, I think it's like really easy for people to see, like, especially like today, one thing that they don't like and that just become like their everything. And they just like throw out all of the things that like they should be like really like thankful and grateful for, you know, for example, like there are like a lot of people who hate on Elon Musk. Right. And it's like just because of that one podcast with Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know or, or, or some, something else like stupid you know like like how his wealth has grown during the pandemic or like whatever you know the case has been right but it's like this person literally like forced the entire like car industry to move faster on creating greener vehicles like sure maybe he's done things that like you don't necessarily agree with but he has been a net positive like for our society um mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i was talking to an older gentleman um, once and we were talking about stocks and he was like, oh yeah, uh, my guy asked me if I wanted to you know, invest in Tesla like a long time ago. And I was like, no, cause that he's just too crazy. And I was like, well, you might regret yeah. that now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll admit I've been on the sidelines for all of like Tesla's like success that they have had. Um, but at the same time, I mean, like, it's good for society, you know, and I'm happy for everybody that's been able to take part in its success, you know, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he made an electric car vehicles cool and, it, and, and, you know, made a, made an efficient car battery and like also solar power. Like when you're someone who's so disruptive, I think it's, you're not gonna, I don't know. I think you almost kind of have to be like in this really strong it's kind of in a stubborn way almost you know where you yeah. were you were you, you've been this minority voice in terms of like every every this is the trend and you're saying no it's this it's this i'm going to keep doing this and so it kind of hardens you to the point where i could see why you know when 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 now it's kind of like he's coming out on the other side i could see how that would uh a lot of what he does make sense you know <laughs> yeah. yeah he's also just very like eccentric guy but yeah 
I feel like um, to have that level of success, there is like a balance between like the level of humility you have to have to like make sure you're putting like the, all of like the best of the best people around you and listening to their opinion, but also the like kind of like crazy like self-belief as well. So like not listen to like all of the like voices who are like, this is like way too much, you know? Um, the FUD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to. That's all of our pop questions, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I like that. I like that you that you do those because um, I think it brings a it kind of gets it going. Um, so I kind of wanted to start off and just kind of uh, get an overview of of the things that you all the things you're involved in currently, and then I think we can go back and kind of retrace and how you got to where you are. Um, so. Yeah, first, what's what's the balance right now between um, working at, at this VC firm was at Tento, right? Yeah, and um, and you're the CEO and founder of I, of the ID8 project as well. Yeah, it's kind of the balance of of, of doing those two. Uh, yeah, um, so I'll say that um, the two like mesh with one another like very nicely. Um, you know, with Atento, I, you know, join their investment meetings once a week for an hour. Um, and typically like the first 45 minutes, like pretty engaged last 15, um, you know, they're dealing with things that don't really like pertain to like what I'm working on. Um, and the rest of the time is like very much focused on ideate and then building out the company. Um, but with that being said, um, a lot of people that I talk to for the company, um, are people who are building technology companies. Some, you know, as late stage as, you know, your Googles and Amazons, but some, you know, early stage startups that are, you know, in the range that Atento would potentially invest in. And so it, like, it meshes over, like, super nicely. So I can be having a conversation for IDA, meet someone who I think could be an interesting investment for Atento, and it's, like, kind of just, like, perfect match. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You kind of have your finger on the pulse. Um, yeah. What's going on. And so, and with IDA, it's specifically targeted for current students right who are who are building companies yeah and so yeah go ahead yeah so we pivoted the product a little bit and um i don't want to go too deep into the soapbox like just like off you know rip but um you know i feel like we're in a time where it makes more sense to um build like pathways to kind of like disrupt things on your own than it does to just like go straight through institutions and so you know to that point you know, we're more focused on boot camp candidates and graduates now, uh, helping them uh, both successfully build companies as entrepreneurs and successfully find jobs. Um, you know, nine out of 10 companies fail, um, you know, and for first time founders, that rate is, you know, nine and a half out of 10. And so, you know, with that being said, you know, we want to definitely, you know, encourage people to be able to build things, right? Like entrepreneurship is like the greatest, like, stimulant of the economy, greatest like job creator, uh, you know, comes through startups. Um, but with that being said, like we want to be able to give people like practical tools that they need because everyone's not going to successfully start a company. Everyone needs a job, you know? Right. Um, and for the tech companies, you know, by being able to give them access um, to top bootcamp graduates, especially bootcamp graduates who have been a part of something or worked on building something, A, we're being able to pre-vet the talent for the companies, making it easier for them to, you know, decide who they want. But also we're bringing them an incredibly more diverse workforce. And like when I say diversity, like there are so many different levels of diversity, right? Like I think a lot of times, like the only types of diversity we think about are like racial diversity and gender diversity. 
But like you look at camp graduates, like we've got, you know, someone who's in our database right now, you know, beat homelessness, you know, that's not your like typical profile of someone who like works at a tech company. And so like that person brings their own type of diversity, you know, like to the organization, you know, um, you know, we've got people who, you know, recently got out of prison, you know, and completed a boot camp program, you know, like for these people, right. Like, uh, like life and some of like the problems of like working in like a company are maybe just like a little bit different than problems that they've had. And so, you know, this person might be more resilient, you know, on the job. Um, you know, and, and, and I mean, like, obviously, like, I think we've seen like a lot of tech companies have, have been having issues with um, both products that they put out, um, you know, advertising campaigns that they put out, um, and even just like employee happiness inside of companies, you know, and so being able to help companies not just get pre-vetted talent where you know that you're getting, you know, the cream of the crop from this boot camp, you know, cohort, um, but also being able to provide you access to that diversity helps the company in multiple ways. Yeah. Okay. Can you explain to our audience what you mean by boot camp? Yeah. So there are these programs now um, where you can like learn how to code or learn how to do technical sales or learn how to do project management or learn how to become like a Salesforce administrator, you know, high in demand jobs that like there's, there may be degree programs for, but the jobs are so much in demand that if you complete a certification program, you can still go get, you know, a similar type of job. Um, and so, um, you know, with these boot camp programs, it's, it's really interesting that we've had more success working with the boot camps than we have had with universities. Because so a lot of these boot camp programs, they'll have 90% job placement rates, 95% job placement rates uh, within six months of graduation. Right now, in the US college and university system, 53% of graduates end up underemployed. Um, but it's because, like, the boot camps, they're like a newer type of educational institution, a newer type of organization. They're like down to be innovative, like partner with people, you know, kind of find creative ways to like help their students be able to get jobs. Whereas the universities, um, which like also don't want to be university bashing because they bring so much like good to our society that like I don't want to do that. But they move a lot slower because I think they're a little bit more kind of like entrenched in like some of like the processes of, of, of the past, you know, versus some of these boot camp programs. Yeah. Um, and I'll add with the bootcamp programs, you also don't have to pay tuition up front for most of these. Um, they'll operate it through something called an income share agreement where, you know, you sign up for the bootcamp and, you know, they give you a loan for the cost and you pay back the loan by paying back a certain percentage of your income once you get a job. And so they're literally incentivized to get you a job or else they don't get paid. Um, you know, and, and it makes it a little bit easier, you know, for people to be able to get some of the education and training because there's not such a great, you know, upfront cost. Yeah. Yeah. And from, from what I've heard, that's, that business model is becoming more and more popular. I used to tell people in my last job, I remember there's a, like, don't do it unless it's a um, deferred tuition kind of thing like that with the, with the income share, because it's honestly a great, it's honestly such a great model that um, when you think about it, it, it's like, why doesn't college do that? (laughs) You know, Um, again, and I don't, and I'm not like, I'm the same as you. I, I don't, I'm not like college bashing. I'm really thankful for, for my education and I see the value in it and stuff, but, um, cause that's kinda, how he met you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sure. <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, I, I could speak on it just in the sense when I was trying to use wash use, um, services to, to get a job, it, the, the, it wasn't as robust as I would expect, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, 
obviously it's, it's just a part, it's just one part of college is, is that you're getting a job. But I mean, when you look at the financial side of it, that's kind of the complete hope is like, okay, I'm paying this large amount of money now so that I can make more money. And, and it's, and statistically it is always, it's, it is worth it for the majority of people, but um, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked about the, the, the boot camp. Um, that's um, similar to the, the girl coding she codes or something oh they have one in, yeah it's a girls specifically who code. women girls who code yeah yeah yep yeah and i also it is it's uh it's something that i've been kind of exposed to more now that i'm doing a recruiting type job but for silicon valley startups um is the the question of diversity like i and i interviewed at a couple places that asked me that like you know what how would you approach recruiting diversity candidates. And I had no idea because I had never been asked to do that at my last job where it was Fortune 500s in St. Louis, you know? Yeah. And um, it, I saw, actually saw this, I was uh, looking at the IDA Project's Instagram and it had this woman who worked at Google and she said, if only dudes are coding, they're only solving problems that dudes have, you know? And I was like, that, yeah. is, that is such a good quote um, because, you know, and I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about somebody who's who's been homeless or been to prison. It's it's such a different outlook than the typical software engineer would have. Um, and and that and that can provide value kind of in all the ways you said. I mean, but if you're if you you can have this very like one track mind looking at a problem and it's oh yeah it's Silicon Valley and we're agile and we're progressive, but um, you, it, it can definitely I can see how things can get very one sided very quickly. So. Yeah. It's I mean, important. think about if, yeah. if you're running like a customer success or like customer service team, um, do you want like a super, super, and again, like this is not to knock anybody, it's just like thinking points, you know, do you want like a super, super like wealthy, like kid who's gotten like everything that they've wanted their entire life and like went to like a super prestigious university and feels slightly like entitled to, you know, making a certain salary after they graduate? Or do you want someone who's been, you know, working as you know a bartender or a waitress or a waiter working in service for years you know stepping into you know your company to help you you know with your customer success you know with your kind of like customer service interactions um and i'm not saying that the college students going to be bad but like you bring in someone who has a slightly different profile and they can help your entire team you know improve things because of things that they've experienced in their previous career you know yeah yeah it's a really good point um, yeah, um, Gary V actually says that a lot of his, he finds and he's very like anti-college because he was the kid that got bad grades, you know, um, but he when he hires people, he's found a lot of times when he hires people that don't have college educations that they are more like self-starters and problem solvers, where as the college grads need a little bit more structure, need their handheld to start a little bit more, which to me makes sense a little bit. Yeah. yeah, you have you're used to that structure, you know, the teacher. Yeah, like here's your assignment, and here's how you're going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. As opposed to like, what is our where's the you know where's the bottleneck, and how are you going to solve it? Like, we don't even know what it is. You got to find it. You know, it's a com complete different way. And I could totally see how, how your example, actually, someone who's like a a restaurant manager or a waiter, like you you get very like process oriented, and like, okay, how can we? how can we better, you know, improve this process? Um, yeah. So, um, so you said that, so with IDA project, you guys shift a little bit. Um, are you still, 
working on the on the side of um, connecting investors with entrepreneurs as well as that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, and so like that part, we don't really have a business model around that part just because seeing how, you know, kind of the, the venture fund structure works, um, we think that it's more valuable for us to just be able to like let investors see, you know, companies that come through and for us to share, you know, companies that come through with investors rather than charge them for it. Um, because that will give us, you know, top candidates who have like built really cool things. Um, you know, if we have a larger database of investors rather than if we were charging for it, and then we would inevitably have a smaller database, then fewer folks would feel comfortable, you know, sharing or even be incentivized to share what they're working on. And at the end of the day, the more talented folks we have on the platform, you know, the more people that we can show to companies, you know, to be able to hire. Um, and, um, but I mean, I, I will say, I would definitely love to develop, you know, more of a, a business model, you know, kind of around that part. Um, just because, I mean, I think, um, you know, again, like this is not necessarily your profile of people who has been starting like venture capital, like backed companies, like not the prevalent style yet. You know, like you've got a lot of, you know, Harvard, Stanford, or like Google, Uber, you know, kind of not a lot of people that came from no college degree boot camp or, you know, worked in this industry, then, you know, boot camp and then, you know, was able to build this thing. And so, I mean, I would love to be able to, at some point, be able to have such a mass, you know, of people that are building companies coming out of, you know, boot camps and collaborating with one another. And, you know, us being in a position, you know, where we had, you know, enough capital to even, you know, make some of our own investments, you know, some of these companies and then, you know, share the deal flow out like in a more official way with companies. Um, but, um, you know, I feel like the way that we're doing it for now is just like a good start, you know, to being able to make that happen in the long term. Gotcha. So it's kind of just a, it's an extra value add at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like fun. basically we want to add as many value adds for our like candidates, like our bootcamp candidates who are coming through as possible and just basically give them like every reason to say yes and sign up for the platform, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause like, honestly, like the, like so the software platform is not really like our product. Like, the candidates are like our product to you know the companies and so if we can serve them better like the candidates better then like we're just going to have a better product for the companies yeah and i mean and then it also makes sense what that um that these boot camps would would love to work with you guys because you're you're helping them kind of cover their their cost right i mean i'm sure that i'm sure there's a good amount of i, don't, I mean i don't know i'm sure there's at least some cases right where they they put somebody through the program and they can't get them a job and then the yeah. boot camp doesn't get paid right um so to have and i mean of, yeah. even though they're doing way better than the universities in terms of job placement rates like if you're going from a 90 percent placement rate to a 95 percent like that's still like significant for your bottom line you know, yeah a boot camp so yeah cool um Do, uh, so, okay, so to kind of rewind, um, in, so in college, so I, I'm, I'm obviously familiar with your, some of your background, but for, for our audience, and I don't, I don't think Shaney's aware either, but um, what was the first business that you started? And can you kind of give the a brief summary of, of what led up to, to that? Yeah. Um, so I guess like first, like one that feel like really just good, you know, kind of like um sharing about um definitely was pyramid 
Um, and I will say kind of that was just uh, the beauty of being at Washington and meeting like a lot of like really phenomenal people, you know, kind of like in succession, you know, with one another, um, you know, meeting, you know, David Fatoki and, you know, joining Linus was like something that just like spurred this thing of like hosting events to like make money, you know. Um, and then, you know, spending time, you know, with, uh, you know, my co-founder of Pyramid, Hannah Pearl, who's doing amazing things right now with, with Jim McKelvey at, at, at Invisibly and will continue to do like more amazing things. Um, like having those two things, like just around one another in like such proximity, um, basically is like what got Pyramid started. Um, I saw how much money we were able to raise, you know, for Linus. Um, and then, you know, would like to go to, you know, concerts, you know, with Hannah and friends. Um, and so it, it just kind of like easily became a wait. you know, the folks who are hosting the concerts in town and like, you know, we can get access to, you know, a ton of the students who would be interested in going to these things, you know, how about we like actually like put like some branding around this and like, you know, at first not necessarily share with people that it's us, but just that, you know, this group is, you know, here, you know, offering discounted tickets to concerts. Um, and so that went, you know, really well the first two times, um, you know, that, that, that we did it that way. And we were able to save the capital from the first two times that we did it that way um, to start being able to book out venues and book out talent ourselves so that we weren't getting just a commission on every ticket sub. We were able to walk, walk away with everything. Um, and I mean, like, you know, in the early days, like, like the talent would just be like talent from, you know, Wash U or, you know, from schools in St. Louis. Because we knew that, you know, that would bring their friends, which, you know, could then just like make it be, you know, a great event. And, you know, we're super intentional about, you know, having like high quality photography, high quality videography. So that like when people are like, oh, do I want to go to this thing? It's like, oh, look at the last one. It looked like it was so much fun. Like, you know, um, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I think everything just happened like at like the right place in the right time for like that to have, you know, kind of like come together with like all the people that, you know, kind of like inspired it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. I, I, I had never thought about this until just now, but so for, for people listening at Wash U, there's this kind of uh, group of student run businesses that every few years change hands. And the goal is, you know, students buy them pretty much all every time with their, with their parents' money or their grandparents loan them and they, they buy into this business, they grow it, they, you know, take profits and then they sell it. Um, and for, for you to start this thing completely from scratch that, I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine it was sold for close to, or likely way more than those, than those do, you know, it's really pretty crazy and have it be so simple, you know? Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like, also, I, I think that, you know, there is a life cycle, um, for, you know, those types of businesses on campuses, because there were people that were doing the exact same thing before us. Um, yeah. I don't know if you remember like the, the top shelf, top shelf, know? dude, I was just thinking of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, like there's groups that, you know, have done it after pyramids still exist on Washu's campus, but there's also another one called premier STL, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and so, yeah, I mean, it's I, probably I a really things. big struggle right now, the pandemic. Oh yeah. 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 But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so it was a good experience. Though. So that was kind of your first taste of like real entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I, I think I realized, though, 
pretty quickly that that was not what I was trying, like that specifically was not what I was trying to like do or build. Um, and I definitely needed to like get over to like the technology space because I feel like impact and like amount of people that you can touch with like your business all of a sudden just like compounds exponentially when yeah. you like slap a layer of like technology onto it. Um, and so, you know, that was basically what kind of like led to the start of the moves. Um, you know, it's like, okay, I want to build a software company. Well, what's an area that I know about? Well, hosting events and concerts, because <laughs> like, that's the only thing that I've really done, like at this point <laughs> in my career. Yeah. Um, and so um, that one was really tough. Like, I feel like in terms of just like success out of the gate, Pyramid was, was very successful out of the gate, you know? Um, the moves like definitely took a lot of lumps. Um, but I mean, like, I think that's also like the beauty of like trying and starting things. I feel like you learn a lot when things don't go exactly the way you want it to. Um, you know, basically like our kind of premise was that, you know, for event hosts, we could help you get more events or more attendees, you know, to come to your events because, you know, we had a, a social, you know, tool so you could see, you know, which friends were going to events and you could purchase a ticket just by clicking on, you know, the post that a friend, you know, was going to be going. We also had text message updates and invitations to events rather than email. Um, and that was before, you know, Ticketmaster and Eventbrite were doing it. You know, at that point, you know, text message open rate was at like 94% and email open rate was at like 15%. And so, you know, there's like a compelling, you know, value add. And then also we had, you know, the lowest transaction fees um, within, you know, all the major, you know, ticketing providers. Um, and then, you know, every, everything from the event could be managed from the app. And so, you know, in the beginning, we definitely had some difficulties. Um, you know, we, we targeted to, to the wrong demographic at first and, you know, went first, you know, towards the venues rather than the event hosts themselves. And, you know, the only venues that really interfere, you know, too much with what ticketing providers used are the ones that have like exclusive partnerships. And so like, we were basically like trying to convince and sell the person who wasn't even the person like making the buying decision, you know? Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, like learn from that, you know? Um, and then, you know, we started actually selling to just the event hosts themselves, like the people who were putting the events up on Eventbrite. Um, and we were able to grow pretty quickly um, for, you know, like a six month span, um, ended up growing it to over 80,000 users, had over 500 events on the platform. But like, I feel like that range for like a consumer facing like application is like where companies like go to die. You know, it's like you've had some success. And so you weren't a complete failure, but you haven't like grown to the point to where it's like a scalable business or that like anyone would be super excited about it. Um, and so for me at that point, I was like, let me sell this while like there is some growth and I can like pitch like the potential of it, um, you know, because I kind of saw the writing on the wall, right? Like we didn't, you know, write the software for, you know, us to be able to send out these text message invites. We just use an API from a company called Twilio, you know, who does that. And so, you know, we look up, Eventbrite's, you know, starting to integrate text messages. Ticketmaster's starting to integrate text messages, you know? And if you're an event host, it's like, okay, this other thing's cool, but these other value adds don't mean that much to me such that I would go away from using my established thing that's been working for me tried and true for the past, you know, five years of my business, you know? Um, and so we ended up selling the company to a group called Right Enterprises uh, in Atlanta. Um, they did event hosting, promotion security, uh, and owned a few venues down there. Um, and you know, don't want to, I guess, go too, too much, you know, into kind of like where it's at now. Um, but um, apps not really being widely used. Um, and so, 
you know, it was nice to be able to get a little bit of it, but, you know, just to be, you know, completely frank, you know, we sold the company for a quarter of the valuation that we raised at. And so it was not a success, you know, by any means. Um, but I would say definitely like a lot more of a learning experience for sure, you know? Yeah, yeah. When it comes, you talked about like selling the company and do you have, I, I'm guessing we're going to attract a lot of listeners that are interested in running their own business, entrepreneurs. Um, do you have any advice for the pitch and gaining confidence when doing something like that, where you're selling a business that you don't want to run anymore, or just a pitch for anyone in general, trying to, um, get people to use their services, maybe, um, how did you gain experience doing that and confidence? Did you have sales experience ever? Yeah. So I'll say a couple of things on the pitches. Um, you know, a, I did not, uh, I didn't share this, but like after, uh, leaving pyramid, um, I worked at a venture capital firm for a little bit and just like got really like into that world. And so it was like doing a ton, seeing a ton of pitches and doing a ton of research on like what people want to see out of pitches, you know? Um, and I mean, the beauty is that like a lot of that information is like super widely available. Like, you know, you can see like Airbnb's, you know, first pitches, you can go see, you know, YouTube's pitches, um, you know, when those companies were really early on. Um, and I think you'll be surprised that like, it's not necessarily about like how like beautiful the presentation is like, yes, the way you present things matters, but it's just, can you create the feeling that this problem that you're solving is something that's really important either to the world or to the specific person that you're pitching to? And the way that you're solving it is going to be in a way that's 10 times better than anything else that they've ever seen or used. Um, and, you know, the more that you can like quantify things and use figures and statistics, right? Like, you know, for example, when I talked about, you know, like the text message versus email invitations, right? You go a 94% versus a sub 15%, you know? And then it's like, well, oh, I know that, you know, five times as many people are going to open my event invitation. Like, this is something that is interesting to me. Like, let me hear more because even if all of them don't convert, maybe three out of the five convert. And now we've got three times as many people as would have come, you know, initially. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think it's really just understanding problem that like is needed to be solved um, and being able to convey that you're doing it in a 10 times better way, whether it's in terms of, you know, cost efficiency, you know, time efficiency, um, success rates, whatever, you know, those metrics are. Um, and I think one thing that I have definitely felt um, and, you know, even in my early times of pitching the moves, like I got so much better at pitching it throughout. And I think the stronger your handle is, you know, on the information and like the stronger conviction you feel on the potential of things, the easier it is to like actually be able to put together that compelling pitch. Um, and so like, I think it's just really like in the, in the preparation, um, you know, you, you prepare then like, you don't have to have confidence in yourself and in your abilities. Like you literally just have confidence in your preparation. Um, yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, so you're still, you're still obviously seeing a lot of, uh, you know, early stage startups right now. What, what, um, what problems or, uh, what industries interest you the most when it comes yeah. to, when it comes to that? 
Uh, education definitely interests me a lot. I feel like a lot of just problems that we have in the world and society stem from um, unequal access um, or um, limited access to things that like really matter or are pertinent, you know? Um, and so, I mean, and I mean, obviously like what COVID happening, right? Like new like ways to, you know, convey information and share education also like have popped up like crazy. And so education, huge area. Um, and I would say like that includes tools of like actually administering education, um, but also like new models, you know, for people to like engage with it, you know, as well. Um, and then I think healthcare for sure. Um, healthcare is another thing that just like, you know, um, I will not hesitate to say that like, this is definitely like the best country in the world to live in for so many different reasons. But with that being said, like we have so much air, like so much room to improve. And I think the areas where we have the most room to improve are the areas that are most exciting to like potentially invest in, you know? And so that's why I mentioned education first, healthcare is another one, right? Um, you know, when you just look at like who has access to healthcare, you look at healthcare costs, you look at, you know, um, healthcare access, not just for, you know, lower income Americans, but like rural Americans, right? Like there's like so much that needs to be done. Um, you know, we've got, you know, issues with, you know, drug addiction and, you know, like non-adherence, you know, to, to, you know, medications and, you know, antibiotics becoming less effective because people don't, you know, uh, adhere to, um, you know, what's being recommended or things being overprescribed or wrong things being prescribed. Um, and so healthcare is another one. Um, and then the last one, um, definitely really interested in, in just, you know, the clean tech and green energy space. Um, that is one where I maybe have less of just like a handle myself personally on it um, than I do on education and healthcare. But I mean, it's like a really important thing, like important to like our species survival, like over the next centuries, you know? Um, and so like, those are all areas where it's like, if we want our society to continue to improve, like there will have to be changes. And so it's kind of inevitable that there are going to be some great companies that are like extremely disruptive that like come up in those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like those spaces move slower than like Amazon and Tesla. And, and so, yeah, that's really exciting when it starts to actually serve the public more and not just, I mean, obviously Amazon and Tesla serve the public, but, um, just it feels like sometimes like even just our voting process seems really barbaric you know and yeah. we're doing all we're so ahead in these other spaces so it'll be nice when things start to catch up a thousand percent i mean even to to your point about things moving more slowly like we talked about like these boot camp programs right with like 90 plus percent you know employment rates within six months of graduation meanwhile university is 53% are unemployed or underemployed within six months of graduation. It's like the output and like productivity of like this new model of education already has been proven to like be so good just in terms of like helping people get like the jobs they want. But you've got like 50,000 bootcamp graduates nationwide uh, as of end of 2019, whereas you had 20 million college graduates. And, you know, boot camps have been around for a decade now. And so to your point, like, you know, some of those spaces, they do take a little bit longer um, to play out. But I think that they also serve like, you know, almost every person. And so if it takes a little bit longer, but you can end up like helping a lot of people and have like a really kind of like broad and wide net and like you can have something that 
ends up having like a really major impact and like the larger the impact, like the larger return is going to be. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. It kind of slowly expanding out. Um, but the, like the, the end goal or the, the possibility, the end for, for how many people are impacted by it is so big that, um, that it's worth it because definitely clean energy is the same way. Um, there was something I just, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah. Um, oh. When you said that too, it reminded me of like the waste management app, like yeah. solving those problems too, that are such large scale problems. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't know, there, you, you've been exposed to it for a while, but um, I mean, I haven't really talked to you about my new job, but basically it's a, um, we have, we have this AI enabled platform for sourcing candidates, basically. Yeah. And, um, and most of our customers, probably 90% of our customers are like early or, you know, seed stage startups. Um, and I've just been amazed at how, like, how many different startups are trying to solve these different problems in creative ways and um, with technology. It just, it, it's made the, the past month, I've been so optimistic kind of about um, the power of capitalism, you know, yeah. the power, the power of um, just of, of the market in our, in our country, you know, like there's a, I, I, I think that for me personally, I, hear more negative like opinions about it than I do positive a lot of times. So just to be able to see, oh man, look at all these, you know, and like you said, nine out of 10 of them are going to fail. But the fact that, that they can try and they can get millions of dollars, like to help them try is, is really amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, I feel like we've, we've had this conversation before, right? Like nothing, our society is never going to be fully perfect. Right. And so yeah. like, you know, you have to have those people that are like, hey, we can do this thing better. But I think just in terms of like, oh, capitalism is like inherently bad thing. Like as humans, like there are, are a lot of us that don't have the best intentions. And so like, no matter what type of system that you have, there are gonna be like negative externalities like from that system, no matter what it is. Um, and so, you know, I think in theory, and I think like we can do better at implementing this, but I also do have faith that like, as we have more and more people who's like, I don't wanna come across the wrong way, sound the wrong way, but like, are like stepping into like more and more consciousness for lack of a better term. You know, I feel like we can have a more like inclusive maybe form of capitalism, but I think like us talking about like moving all the way away from that, um, I don't think it's like a really like the most productive conversation, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think like hearing and like understanding like where it's coming from, I think is a really good way to like, kind of like understand, okay, here's how we can do better. You know, um, here is like issues that people are having. Here's issues that people are seeing. And so like, as we like think about like how we like govern ourselves and like make our world, like we can respond to these issues within the framework that we already have versus going with another framework that you know there's yeah. no like real clear evidence that's going to be better anyway you know? <laughs> yeah um i uh, yeah. actually was was we just got back from miami and we got a tour from uh, a a tech entrepreneur out there who's 
you know, had a lot of success. And, you know, he's like, look, Miami's the capital of Latin America, you know, and you've got, you know, a lot of uh, people in Miami that came from, you know, countries that, um, you know, just operate under different political systems, you know. Um, and Miami has prospered as a city, like prospered. And I'm not saying that, again, that it's perfect for everyone or that every single person has, you know, had the, you know, mobility. But part of the reason why it's prospered so much is the government in Miami has been like, okay, we're going to make sure that people have access to pretty quality education and can like get around the city, you know, easily. Um, and then after that, like, we're just going to like get out of the way, you know, and like, let people yeah. like do what they need to do. And it's like, if people can get educated, people can get, you know, a college degree or a career certification, um, you know, that is competitive, you know, at a price point that is like accessible for everyone, you know, every person is not going to have the same opportunity. Like we realize that, but right. that is going to be a lot better than like restricting the person who is really successful from becoming like their best selves, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, an improvement on quality of opportunity, you know, compared to a, a lot of the, the country. And something that actually that I was just thinking about, um, because you mentioned, you know, how Miami being the capital of Latin America, like I was thinking about it um, in the sense that our country has strong, you know, property rights. Like there's a good amount of trust in that if you, Chandler, start ID8 Project, and it gets huge, like you will reap the benefits of it. Yeah. You know, obviously there's exceptions to that, but for the most part, the, the structures in place where you're incentivized to like do legal business and work hard because you, you, you have the opportunity for a big payout. And in um, a lot of third world countries that like structure isn't there. So it's, it's not that people like don't want to solve problems and aren't creative or aren't hardworking, but like there's not the trust system of hey you know like for example in um venezuela like they don't have trust that even their money will still be worth something like the money that they do make will even matter you know yeah. um and that's not really had to do with property rights but like i think it's easy living in america to go oh man here's what's wrong here's what's wrong here's what's wrong but um and that's important to do that too sometimes like because we do want to improve and there's a lot that can be improved but so no, I, I personally have just been thinking lately, like, man, it's, there's, we're pretty lucky, you know, all things considered. Um, and it, I, I like what you said about the, uh, the government in Miami. It doesn't have to be that complicated, right? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes local governments or state governments, they try to do too much and that can hurt it in its own way. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling right now, but no, man. I mean, I feel you, right? Like, I feel like the whole point, like the whole point of this is like, how do you find a way to like make the world that offers the best opportunity for everyone without like people like doing too much, to, like interfere with that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and like, I, I like what to, you, what you guys are doing, I think with education is, I would imagine is also helping, sorry to interrupt you is also helping companies see the value in diversity, you know, yeah. besides just like the, oh, like we better be diverse so we're not canceled. Do you know what I mean? Cause I think there's yeah, a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, cause that, like, th that's actually not what it should be about. It's like, yeah. there's like a clear case as to why this is like good, why this is a good thing. 
you know, like we have, we have conversations, right? Like not on the podcast where you maybe see something one way, or maybe I see something one way. And then we talk about it. And like, I understand how you see it completely better or the other way around. And like, that is like the beauty of our diversity of experiences. Like we both grow as a result of that. It's not about like me saying, oh, I have a white friend. I'm not racist. You saying, oh, I have a black friend. I'm not racist. (laughs) It's like literally like our relationship enriches us. And like, if you're building a company, like you want to be building an organization that is like continually like being enriched, like continually growing, continually getting better, like not stagnating. That's like the whole point of like building like a tech company is like growth. Um, Yeah. 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 It's very, it's very like positive something. Like you said, both, like everyone grows from it. You know, it's not like, oh, well, you know, because of affirmative action, like this person's taking my son's college spot or, you know, that's not, that's not the way to look at it. It's like, oh, because of, because of that, my son gets to go somewhere where he's going to learn way more than he ever would. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's yeah. a positive for, for everybody, I think. And that's why I think what, like, I'm starting to see kind of through this conversation, what you guys are doing, how, how important it is, you know, uh, cause it's, it's giving a tool, right. To solve that problem. But it's also, I think your voice specifically could be really good in seeing like, okay, this is why it's actually a, a problem. And this is why the solution is actually much more valuable than you might even think. Um, it's cool, man. It's cool. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, I think education and mentorship are like the root. If we could work on those things, our society would be so much better. And that really touches on both of those, like education and mentoring and yeah. helping guide into the right space. If they want yeah, to do, you, do you take a hand in, in any um, kind of advising with, with entrepreneurs that come through the IDA? Yeah. Um, so we don't, um, but like for companies that are looking to hire bootcamp graduates, we do offer them like a hands-on apprenticeship program that we do that like, basically like if you're hiring someone that's coming from a bootcamp and it's not for like a full-time role, but you're doing our apprenticeship program, like they'll have like mentors, like checking in with them, like on a, on a consistent basis, basically set aside by the company. So that their mentor is not like me telling them the ID8 way, but it's the person from the company telling them like, like it's a person from Netflix telling them the Netflix way. Um, But to your point, Shane, it's like, you know, the education is important, but like you also have to be able to have like context and like context comes like through like getting like those mentorship, you know, experiences like with other humans who have like been through it. So you can apply like what you're reading, what you're learning, like in a meaningful way, you know? Yeah. Actually, this brings up something I, that I have been wanting to ask you about. It's, it's kind of related, but um, I've been going down this rabbit hole. There's this guy on YouTube I follow named uh, Coffeezilla, and he like exposes like scammers. Basically, he has, yeah. it's his whole brain is like exposing scammers. <laughs> and I've, so I've become hyper aware of because uh, I love his content. But he, a lot of these um, kind of entrepreneurship scammers, right? Yeah. And I just would be curious, like, what your take on this kind of stuff is. You know, people selling these coaching oh, scammers. Here's my ten thousand yeah. dollar course, but you're going to be a millionaire at the end of the year, like. What do you think about this kind of stuff? Because <laughs> you're the real deal, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're a real entrepreneur who's young, who's been successful, you know? And it's like, I'm sure you're never going, hey, man, I charge a thousand dollars an hour, but I'll mentor yeah, you. Right. You know what I mean? No, no man, yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I saw this other guy. He's a student at Cornell and he's got a, a nonprofit um, 
that basically helps students of color complete their computer science degrees and then get placed with tech companies and you know as partners like microsoft and facebook and all this stuff and i saw him tweet last week and he was like um he was like y'all like y'all come get me now like if you ever see me like selling a course um <laughs> you know yeah. um and yeah i mean i think there are already like so many like barriers to information that like if you've got great information out there um i do think it's great to just be able to share it with people just off of like the goodness of what you have um with that being said i do understand that people have to eat and so like you know there are people who make money off of teaching because they're like paid by institutions right and mm -hmm. so i'm not going to knock someone for making money off of teaching you know not through an institution they got something valuable but at the same time you do have a lot of people that are making money off of teaching who have like as their credentials to show why they're valid like their instagram flex you know and it's like <laughs> yeah nothing like substantive you know um but I feel like, you know, if you do research, you know, and, and you're like, okay, you're wanting to learn more about, you know, building, you know, software products and, you know, a product manager, a founding product manager at, you know, Airbnb is offering a course for a couple thousand dollars. Like, I don't think you're getting it, you know, but I think if you're seeing somebody who's riding around in rental cars all the time, like flashing yeah. a bunch of cash, you know, it's like, you're probably getting, we're probably getting scammed by 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 those people you know um, yeah, yeah there are we don't want to knock horses yeah. either because i recently bought a um a couple photography like video tutorial and preset courses of my two favorite photographers and like for 200 bucks i can literally learn from my favorite photographers and learn how they do yeah. their style yeah. and like they literally go in and show me exactly how they edit their photos and like in one click i can edit my photos like them and see and like learn yeah. how they adjust them so that's what's tough um, is that there's there is so there's a much lot good. of good courses out there i mean i know i've i've spent i can't think of an example off the top of my head but but i think it gets drowned out by these kind of like, uh, what, what would you call them? Contrepreneurs. That's what I've heard one guy yeah. call Contrepreneurs, like con men. Well, and um, they prey on people that don't have um, a sense of self-esteem or community yeah. or, um, or mentor yeah. or any. And so, yeah, that's, it's really kind of sad, honestly. It's kind of yeah. a lot of MLM pyramid schemes are like that as it's, well. They prey yeah. on um people that just want to be a part of something and i think there are some good things that come out of that like that we read the book um the robert kawasaki book rich dad, poor dad. rich dad poor dad and he's like join an mlm they'll teach you how to sell sell things if you aren't <laughs> confident in selling things no. if you join an mlm they'll teach you how and you're gonna like get humbled real fast and like just learn how to do it and so i think there are you know, there's always a positive to everything, but yeah. you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tricky. And I guess the answer that I've seen is this guy's YouTube channel, CoffeeZilla. I'll say his name again. <laughs> I, I love it, but it, it's, it's, there's one, there's one I follow on Instagram is called Baller Busters and they're the same thing. You, really? if you like the CoffeeZilla dude, you'll I'm like gonna, Baller Busters. I want to check it out. And, and I've seen with CoffeeZilla, his channel grow like a lot and he, he'll have people who have been scammed on and they kind of like, do a, they interview them and it's almost like therapy for these people and like they're telling more people to to watch out for these 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 con men and um 
it's it's kind of going to try to tie it into your point it the answer is education you know i will say programs yeah i will say like one of the negative externalities of capitalism is that we are incentivized kind of to create like a very like materialistic culture because if we have a materialistic culture then the people who are making the things can then go sell more of the things you know um and so i think it's like really easy to like show the flashy things and then like that be something that convinces people because it's like the only way that you get security is by you know attaining wealth for yourself and it's like this person is showing that at least the way that it appears to the untrained eye that they have a lot of security you know um which like i mean that's what you're kind of working for you know in capitalism is is, is, is security and again like i'm not saying we, we we're throwing that out i'm not saying that at all but i do think that that is a ne negative externality and that that culture allows people like that to succeed right and so like every person's not super super materialistic like right like if i see a guy driving a car with the door to go up like that you know and a bunch of cash you know like that's not gonna like make me want to go follow that person but like you know if you've been income insecure for years and you see that and then that person's like i can tell you like how to have this and i was in the same position as you you know i yeah. mean like at that point, it's like, why not give it a try if you're the person that's in that situation, you know? Right. It's a power. It's a powerful, simple con. Um, yeah. Because it's just, you know, I like I said, like I look at you and it's like I look at the way you present yourself online. You present yourself, you know, on an interview and in our phone calls and in person. And then like I see some of these other clowns and it's like they're just like trying to fake the funk so hard to me. And, and I'm glad that like it's clear to me and it. But it's it's kind of yeah it's just it's it makes me kind of like like scared for the people that it's not clear to because like you said if you've been like everybody wants a get rich quick um, scheme you know and they just the get rich quick scheme is like start Facebook right I mean like that's the get rich quick scheme right and there's a lot of people trying to do it it's not a scheme it's just like you have to be this point zero 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 one percent outlier you know hyper growth company. And there's a and there's a lot of like the smartest people in the world trying to do that, you know, but this idea that there's like some way to like automate your income where you're like sitting on a yacht is like so ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But people want to believe in it. I don't know. I think <laughs> also though, like the people that are really successful, like yes, they definitely you know do want you know financial security and like they understand like the way that like money works and the way the way the world the world works. But I think the people that like hit that you know, level of success um, that maybe we're kind of like alluding to, like a lot of those folks, like it's about like the work and it's about like the mission, you know, of, of, of what they're doing. And like, they really care about it. Um, and that's why I said that book, you know, the hard things about hard things was so, you know, kind of inspiring to me. It's like this dude, like, you know, Ben Hoare was one of the most successful tech entrepreneurs, now one of the most successful venture capitalists, like in the history of the world, you know, he was like, there are no shortcuts. There, there is no rich quick, get rich quick scheme. Like if yeah. you're not like in love with the work, solving the problem for the customers and like the people that you're working with or some combination of those, then like you're not gonna be able to get through the things that you are inevitably gonna have to get through to get to that point, you know? Yeah. Did you have a business mentor in your life? That's a good question. I was gonna ask. Um, I, I feel like, 
I won't say that I have one mentor, but I feel like that's been kind of one of the things that I've been best at in life is being able to find people who are doing the things that, or have done the things that I want to be able to do and start developing relationships. And so, I mean, there's a lot of folks that I can kind of speak to that have, you know, well, that, you know, continue to give me advice. I mean, like even, you know, me coming to Tulsa, um, I was really, yeah, Tulsa was not like on the map for me to come to. Um, but the gentleman that I met that, you know, I went to go work for at Atento, um, you know, he, you know, was an entrepreneur in college and, you know, was running, you know, managing over a hundred coffee shops, you know, while he was in college and, you know, was, you know, part of the founding team of, you know, silly bands, you know, and, and, you know, did, you know, digital marketing campaigns for, you know, Snapchat and, you know, Tinder, you know, when companies and, and Bumble, you know, companies. Like Tinder, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a lot to owe him. Um, but you know it was like okay you've done a lot of things like for in in like the space that I care about and you're you know 10 years ahead of where I'm at like I will come here literally just to be able to like talk to you every day about the things that I'm thinking about and working on you know even when we went to Miami um you know the gentleman that gave us the tour he built a facial recognition company um that he sold for uh over 120 million um a couple of years back and he recently just stepped back um as the uh chairman of, of of the board um and now he's you know investing in companies and so you know we spent like six seven hours you know with him in miami and i mean we've had issues you know with getting our technology out you know in the timelines that we wanted to you know in, in this venture and it's like well that's not my area of expertise but you you are a tech guy. You're not, you're not just a business guy. Like I'm about to ask you like literally all of the questions that I have because your advice, you've been through this and you know more about me than the subject matter. Like your advice is going to be better than anything that I can come up with like on my best day, you know? Um, And I think being able to have people that have experience in a couple of different areas, you know, um, to go to, then it's not like I'm just necessarily taking what someone else says and not like interpreting it for myself and like applying it myself, but it just makes it so much easier, you know? Yeah. Um, and I will say the way that I've been able to, you know, kind of like get some of these mentors um, is trying to just like make myself like as valuable or as helpful to them, you know, as possible. Um, and also just trying to be like as genuine, like as a human as possible as well. Um, you know, because I think people can smell out when you have like weird intentions and motives. Um, and I think it makes it a lot easier for people to engage with you if you're making their lives easier, or, you know, doing something that, you know, is helpful to them. So. And, and I wanted to ask too, so you're an investor in residence at, at Wash U. Is that, are, is that kind of a, a mentorship thing or is that you investing your own money? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that is actually me more serving like as a mentor, like for Wash U. And so they have like a program, they have an entrepreneur in residence program and an investor in residence program uh, where they basically uh, just ask people who are, you know, founders of companies or, you know, investing in, you know, early stage companies uh, to come, you know, work, you know, be, you know, mentors for, you know, hackathons and, you know, like entrepreneurship workshops they have, you know, be judges for pitch competitions that they have, you know, serve as judges or like panelists, you know, for classes they have or whatnot. Um, and so that's really me more being sort of a mentor than like getting the mentorship. But I will say, I mean, typically like when we're having like these groups and like people are giving me advice, all of the other investors and residents are a little bit more seasoned than I am. And so 
I've got my advice I'm going to give, but like typically the advice that they give is like really good for me to hear, you know? Yeah. Well, Well, it's just so cool that, that you, that there's a way where you're already kind of paying back, you know, um, giving back a lot of the, the help that you've gotten. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I feel like that's the whole, that's the whole game, right? It's like, no, like I talked about like my kind of like story and journey and path, like literally pyramid, like would not have been a thing had it not been for David and the entire Linus crew. And like, had it not been for, you know, Hannah, you know, um, and some of the folks that we worked with, you know, in St. Louis, right? Like everything I feel like is everything like that happens. That's like really great. It like takes a lot of, you know, kind of like people coming together and giving advice and sharing opportunities and like all those types of things. And so, you know, I feel like, well, it's good for me to be able to like share, you know, my time, um, you know, kind of like quote unquote, give back some of my time. Like, like that's how everything has happened for me. You know, like there will not be more things that happen for me, you know, if, if I'm not connecting with other people and yeah, sharing my experiences and hearing from theirs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's this thing, you know, I'm sober, right. And there's this thing we say in recovery, you can't keep what you don't give or something like that. But I, I think it's a powerful, like it applies to uh, everything, I think. Yeah, I thoroughly believe in like operating out of abundance and not fear and just giving so that you can also receive. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, let's see, do you have Do you have anything? I know there's, we have a lot of questions here. You had some good ones. Um, well, I did, to follow up on what you're just talking about, like for finding a mentor and you said a lot of it's, you know, providing something as well. Um, which I think, so maybe for someone that during this pandemic that can't like go to these events and things, maybe it's, they reach out to a company and they are going to just do services for free for them. And then maybe they can get connected to someone, but like, what are your tips for networking for introverts? Yeah. Yeah. For people that Uh don't want to go out and and meet people. How, how do you, how would you, what would your advice be to help people get over that or to, to meet people? I would say like, you can even use that to an advantage, quite frankly, because, you know, if, if, if you're one of those people that doesn't love it, then like, you know, the best way would to do things would be to be like super prepared of like, here's the things that I want to accomplish, you know, in my, um, you know, networking, you know, just kind of like time and, you know, extension of myself. And, you know, that can help you even stick, you know, a little bit closer to plan, you know, um, you know, if you're someone that that isn't something that you love doing, you know, and so you want to kind of get in and get out. Um, I mean, the other thing um, that I think about as well, because I will say I've found myself getting considerably more introverted as I've gotten older. Um, and so I, I'm kind of that way where I don't like going to a bunch of stuff, like if it doesn't necessarily like make like really clear sense, you know, to me, you know, at this point. Um, but I think also like I've, I have learned very quickly, like the amount of things that you can do, the amount of freedom that you have, like it grows exponentially, like with the number of people that like you kind of like have relationships with and like are able to tap into. And like, you can be in a position where you're like networking out of necessity, Right. Because like you want to like you need to get this opportunity, like you want to have this opportunity. You don't have like the requisite network to be able to do it. And so you've got to go out and meet and find people. 
you know, or if you're doing it, you know, like more proactively, then in the future, the people who are already kind of like in your community and in your tribe can be the ones who are introducing you, you know, to kind of more opportunities. And so it's one of those things where like if you're introverted, thinking about the long game and that like it pays dividends. It's like it's literally just like it's like compound interest, you know, like networking and like networks and like money and like reading, like all of these things, like they work in kind of a similar way. And so, you know, the earlier you get to it, um, I think the easier it becomes for you, you know, later on. And you definitely don't want to be in a position if you're someone who's, you know, introverted in your, you know, 20s that, you know, you're introverted in your 40s, you know, and you're, you know, having to, you know, just still go meet, you know, all these new people to try to, you know, get something going on. Whereas like if you did that work in your 20s, you know, you've got a network that you can then, you know, just kind of like branch out of and, and, and off of. Um, so yeah, I don't know how helpful that, that was. That makes sense. No, no, I like that. That's a really good answer. Um, I had a question. <laughs> <laughs> what are so? I did want to. I was one. I saw your question that said something about have you always had an entrepreneurial spirit? Like when you were a kid, um, did you? Were you? Um, were you the kind of kid that like had a lemonade stand and stuff? <laughs> I was not, I was not, but there was a little period where like, I, uh, like if I would go out of town for a basketball camp, like, you know, I might, you know, take some like fruit snacks and stuff and, you know, sell some of them, but it was like never anything like serious. Like it would just be like, oh, I want a couple extra dollars. Like I'll do this more so than like, oh, I had like, you know, like real plans or ideas. Um, but I think that like, the wanting a couple extra dollars, like you can argue that like that is like being able to figure out how to like get it quickly. Like, I feel like that is like kind of some entrepreneur. I mean, like even, um, you know, I did like a summer program at WashU uh, before my freshman year started. Um, and definitely like not my like finest moment, but I feel like, you know, we can, we can, we can share it, you know, now, but, you know, I remember before I left Dallas, I was like, let me make sure that I have, fake id so that like when you know people you know want to go like buy alcohol like at this like summer program like i'll be the person that can get it for everyone it's pretty ironic because like i really don't drink at all like at this point um but you know i mean like again i was just like oh i'm at college like i'm not at home anymore like i don't this isn't a business but like i'd like to have a little bit of extra money to just like do stuff that i want to do and so this is an easy way to, to, to do it, but um, I don't think I wanted to be an entrepreneur until like sophomore year of college, I'd say. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, those are a couple of examples are kind of just like you seeing this, this place where you could step in and, and apply a little leverage to make money almost, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think is, is like you said, it, that kind of is on entrepreneurship. It's like, oh, like I don't have to like, change the whole world but like i can like change this one thing and optimize it and make it a, a you know that one part of the process a lot better by doing that make myself a lot of money or my investors a lot of money or something i don't know so another question i had is for um this i found this personally when i ask people like someone will you know tell me that they just want to do crafts um, and they want to make a craft business, say, 
but they're kind of stuck in their nine to five. And I'm like, just start your own business. Like use social media. I'm all about like get online and just start a side hustle and like see what it could go into. And they're more, their pushback is like, nah, I just don't want to deal with like the legalities of like, you know, getting a lawyer, getting a website, getting an LLC, getting a business bank account, all these things. Um, and I'm finding that personally, like, um, I've started my own business, just got an LLC and there's so much nitty gritty paperwork and just nonstop, you know, there's always something else that I gotta like get signed or get sent or buy or whatever. What is your advice for people that like hate that kind of stuff? And that's what keeps them from starting their own business. Because I think like, I don't want that to hold people back. Um, so what's your advice for that? And how do you, how do you stay on top of all that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I'll say a couple of things. My advice for it is it's like, you know, like working out isn't always the most fun and like eating healthy isn't always the most fun, but like you have a goal for like your health or like the way that you want to look. And so you like swallow, like when it hurts and like you get through it because like you want the goal on the other end more than like how annoying or uncomfortable, like what you're doing to get, you know, on the other end is. And so it's like, you know, if you, if, if the thing that's deterring you from starting a business is just like getting all of the paperwork to be like legitimate, like most people may not necessarily like be like the most interested in starting a business, you know? Um, and I just say that to say, because it's like, it's, it's such a small, um, and when I say small, I mean, like, I understand, like, it, there's a lot of, like, quote, unquote, fine print and just, like, things to keep up with and timelines and, you know, a level of, like, organization that kind of, like, needs to be there to make sure all of it's done and, you know, and, like, tax it, like, being, you know, doing your own taxes and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, but it's, like, at the end of the day, like, would you rather, like, look up, you know, X number of years from now and be like, man, I'm glad I didn't have to, you know, pay for someone to do taxes or figure out how to do, you know, our business taxes, like for myself. And uh, like, would you rather have like learned that, like swallowed the pill and like been able to build your business, even if it doesn't work out or never started it because of that reason? You know, it's like, that's like, that's probably like the weakest reason that you have like not to start, you know? Um, (laughs) It's like annoying paperwork. Yes, it's annoying paperwork, but like, you know, it's not the, yeah. and I'll say, you know, if for me, uh, I, I use a couple of things, right? So like there are more and more software tools that just make stuff easy to stay on top of things. And so like I use uh, this one company called Rippling and they basically like, they send me an email whenever I need to do anything, whether it's like 401k for employees, whether it's payroll, you know, whether it's tax stuff, anything. And like basically like take me through step-by-step step how to sign it up or like how to like complete the things for like that month or that quarter or whatever the case may be. Um, and there are more and more tools like that, that just like take the like really annoying stuff, like kind of like out of the equation, because I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult. Like, well, I may be saying like, oh, that's like, that's not a reason to not start something. I do agree. Like it, sh- it should be easier to get started, but I think there are more and more tools. There's another one called Stripe Atlas, um, that helps people get started, you know, with just, I don't think they help you register for an LLC, but they'll help you register for a C Corp um you know like get like your tax filing and all that type of stuff set up um and so i mean i I would say you know just like doing research like looking for resources online um Mm -hmm. for places and ways that you know that stuff can get automated 
it might cost a little bit of money, but it's like, look, like it's worth paying, you know, 20 to, you know, 50, 60 bucks a month, you know, to be able to have someone just like prompting you to make sure that you don't like miss anything. Um, then not doing it at all because you, you don't necessarily get excited about like those parts of things, you know? Yeah, I signed up for my LLC and legal Zoom and they actually have this cool thing where um, it was an extra fee, but I have access to a lawyer at like any time and I can just call them up about things, which is, and it's like really cheap, you know, so yeah. they make it really affordable. So um, that's been nice. That's what that's another thing that we love about technology, right? Like legal zoom has made it easier for you and like starting your business. Like that's the whole point is like for it to make like stuff easier for all of us. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else? I know we've, I know we've, we've uh, been talking for a while. I think we, um, I think we yeah, covered it all. I think we covered a lot of, a lot of good things. Um, yeah. Do you have any, any last things you want to sum up with? um man great just great catching up again as always and definitely overdue to to meet in person um Shane, great to meet you as well um and glad you guys you know had me on uh you know as well yeah yeah dude we uh we really appreciate you coming on and um as always you left me with a lot of things to think about and yeah it's cool yeah, thanks so definitely. much so grateful I, to have you on yeah, I, I will say just, you know, seeing some of the previous episodes and folks that you've had on the podcast, like definitely excited for you guys and like where this is growing um, and where this yeah, is Yeah, it's going to get better slowly. <laughs> yeah, we're working out the yeah. kinks. Appreciate it, brother. Well, have a good rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, see you guys. Right. See you. See you.